0: Well, hello and welcome back to another edition of the B.A. Sales Kennel Call Holistic Healing Hour with your host, moderator, me, Grandpa Bill. Welcome, one and all. We're here daily, Sunday through Saturday, usually somewhere around 30 minutes. And when we have guests in studio, usually a little bit longer than that, a little bit later today. It be my great pleasure to be Welcoming in studio Dr. Jonathan Tavis I Did a prelude a quick overview about him yesterday. Welcoming him aboard a little bit later and tomorrow. When Friday becomes at the time of this taping, I'll be welcoming back at a reschedule Julie Hilson. Forward to having her on. As far as in studio, guests will highlight about those topics in my other forums. A little bit later at my blog talk radio podcasts as well. Here today, I'm going to continue to talk <clears throat> in our recent series of The Complete Guide of Natural Medicines and how the body will and does heal itself through wild crafted foods, herbs, clays, tinctures, and a whole host of natural ways to heal and modalities within. Understand how. Unconscious biases caused biases, actions, if you have those philosophies within you. You need to look beyond the individual mind and look at larger systems and structures. Not only at an individual level, but also at an aggregate level, whether that's the key to our pain, suffering, We're continuing to explore food for the mind, the body, and the soul here. Really reflecting what's happening around us. Human psychology, the meaning of life, the training of the brain and the mind. A healthy body is a healthy mind. And if you've got things going on in your personal life, (laughs) and who doesn't? It can affect your physical and mental well-being. Negative thoughts like worry, confusion, anger. With each breath, if you truly do take a deep, calming breath, you are literally physiologically calming your body and your mind. You're just blowing away the layers of stress of the day. It's truly like radar love. It's a great song. Shifting gears. Shift your mindset. And your gear. Golden earring. Great song. Great metaphor. If you enjoy Grandpa Bill's full-length episodes, continue to join us daily. Grandpa Bill is always excited about providing our listeners with the bonus content of offering the opportunity of more insight, full knowledge, complete guide to holistic healing, and deeper edification of health, wealth, and holistic healing for all of us. We self-sustain, we continue to increase the quality and quantity of the shows, continue to do that without asking any subscription fees. So we talk about the business elements of how we self-sustain at the two podcast shows, there respectfully and respectively. So we'll be back in about 10 seconds and we'll continue in our series of the complete guide of natural medicines. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back, and thanks for doing so. Thanks for being here again today. I want to interject a passage, quoting directly. For those of you that have been here before, you've heard me talk about even Illich in the Vineyard of the Text. One of the couple of books, I have another one on route that I'll be talking about. But this one, I've been reading passages here and there and paragraphs and so forth here to show us for a couple of reasons. One being very self-serving <laughs> because it's part of my memory technique and the magnetic memory method that I've been taking for probably the better part of a couple, three months now, with Dr. Anthony Mative, guest on my show last month, an upcoming guest after May. And Ordered this book and received it about a week ago and I've been going through putting it and plugging it into the memory lessons within the course but also been using a lot of it to try to retain data and so forth as I love the history and so forth many facets as it reflects to these shows so i wanted to read one quick passage that i thought was kind of apropos overall for life for sure but a little bit on the subject matter of today quoting verbatim to develop the kind of control over one's own memory palace Hugh." asks his pupils to acquire an imaginary inner space. Then it's the Latin derivation of, and Hugh, for those that don't know, it's this is an extension of the interpretation in the commentary to Hugh's didascalicon, spelled D-I-D-A-S-C-A-L-I-C-O-N, didascalon, didascacon, <laughs> just the way I spelled it, definitely not pronounced that way and the 70 tables within the book on one faction of the introduction actually contains several thousand items that are mentioned in the bible so it's a derivative of where memory palaces the concept the word the history of it came into concept in that particular way of enhancing memory so the history of memory and hugh's recovery of his dissertation back oh so many centuries ago of the art of training neglected antiquity of the importance that he gave to train memory as a prerequisite to reading per se meaning anything especially in the era that he lived in but the fundamental development by Hugh of the memory matrix which is greatly detailed wherever you come in in the ubiquitous audience you may be a virtuoso within this subject you may have no idea what I'm talking about you may be somewhere in between but within that genre and within that academia that's one version of it's a preliterate to greek speech making and epic singing based on the principles of his concept is kind of the founding father of if you will my stretch on that so the alphabet that i talked about in a different episode pertinent to the way to envision and develop an alphabet and place it within these memory palaces as you go through the program should you decide to do so and there is a free pdf I would encourage everybody to look at the free pdf and then of course to your own discretion if the course itself is for yourself or whatever but my motto is and especially free I mean free is free when it is and this is and if you walk away with one kernel of wisdom that maybe didn't into it, I don't know, and the price was right and all that kind of kind of stuff. But what you can edify and actually extrapolate and put into usage, I think you may concur, it would be a worth a look see. We all perceive everything differently. Reality is perception, perception is reality. So yeah, that is just a little bit of a self-serving exercise pertinent to the memory. Those of you that have been following this lineage a little bit, hopefully that makes a little bit more sense since last time that I updated it here. And um, how he went on, as in Hugh, his dissertation of talking about communities and kind of a different uh, connotation of communities, but the community, if you will, that he was a resident of and so on and so forth. That meditation is an intensive reading activity and not some passive quietest plunge into feelings. Now have an appreciation if you aren't familiar with the histrionics of this in the ubiquitous audience. Of how profound that was, uh, that many decades, go So just little tidbits of food for thought and how to hang on parts and participles and we all perceive. And, but scholastic reading, I would say I've definitely jumped back into that arena. It's been a while, but I'm enjoying it thoroughly. And the reasoning for it is to try to keep the brain enriched and Stay vibrant as we climb the across myself the chronology ladder and all of that kind of crazy stuff so each and every day if i glean and pull one pearl of wisdom from this then it's accomplished the mission and i have my own volition immediately signed up for the course knowing that i would because that was my desire to go there in the first place and it's how i met dr anthony through pod match the rest is kind of history because he was on mm-hmm. my show In February, and we'll be back sometime in May. And as the world burns forward, turning on its axis in a perfect world, which, wherever that never will be again, now, of course, it might correlate with his next book and the release of, but only he and stars above have control over that. I kid my friend, Dr. Anthony. We will get together. We've talked about it behind the scenes. He'll be back. So, We'll be back right here, and I'll segue into the last segment today to try to keep it to 30 minutes. We'll be right back. Thanks. Hey, everybody, and welcome back. about about as we do here the bridge of the gap of life and business because they do of course overlap <laughs> maybe more so now than ever but they have for the history of mankind so what I'd like to attempt to do here is talk about in the opening some of the facts on grandparenting in general and the intergenerational mentoring that it's entailed both in life and in business for the generations of being a grandfather, grandparent, grandmother, you know. Research shows that children need four to six Involve caring adults in their lives to fully develop emotionally and socially in any era of time, probably a little bit more intensified over the last three years for obvious reasons. The grandparent-grandchild relationship is second in emotional importance only to the parent-child relationship in the overall spectrum of are there those that deviate of course absentee grandparents or whatever just like absentee parents or whatever most grandparents like most parents are obviously closely bonded with their responsibilities and safety and protection of their children and grandchildren. Some research shows that as many as 9 out of 10 adult grandchildren feel that their grandparents influence their values and behaviors. Grandparents transmit to their grandchildren the values and the norms of social order to practice what we and we don't preach here about anything it's just a play on words but here practice what we preach by taking a deep calming breath and a pause <clears throat> do you think that's become more challenging too in and of itself well of course it has so without such intergenerational continuity Depending on your source of theorists, theorists in general, theorists that are doctorated and PhDs, and all that, with all due respect, but all of the philosophies, opinions, books, anecdotes, movies, whatever, all of the nice big black cards stirring around in the life stew. Well, as we serve it, I don't know, is it a little too spicy for you, Jimmy? Is it, oh, a little too runny over here? Oh, whatever analogy, well, of course it is. Or, oh, 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 I don't like that, or whatever. Far reach, but not really. Food for the mind, the body and the soul. Grandparents transmit to their grandchildren the values and norms of social order any error of time. I'd like to think after I'm gone, that that will be the norm for grandparents moving forward. The error in time of their generation when their time comes to be. Without such intergenerational continuity, these theorists, authors, doctors, lawyers, whatever, all of us, citizenry, the consensus, (laughs) it sets the stage conflict and disruptive change, not only within the family, but also in the broader sense of the society. The society upheaval of the world as it burns forward, moving on its axis in any era of time, through the history of time, as the conglomerate citizenry of the planet avails, surveils, takes it in, reaps it, sows it, breathes it, lives it. So, Fewer than 50% of adolescents in 1900, back a few years now, of course, some 123-ish years in county. in fact, and two or more grandparents alive at that time. And then fast forward at that time in the 76-year period from 1900 to 1976 that figure had grown to almost 90% in that 76-year span. Of course, now that 76-year span, go <laughs> on, follow the bouncing ball, is some 46 years ago. So by 1976, when it was 46 years ago now, that figure had grown to almost 90% Then, Today, an American at birth <clears throat> is expected to live about 76 years. You know, the mean average as compared to age 47 back in 1900. But please keep in mind, you get to the Mason-Dixon line of There obviously wasn't the degree of pollutants, but there were, but there obviously wasn't the degree of the advancement in technology, medicines, and or natural or otherwise, how to harvest them, put them to use, other than in most instances, other than indigenous tribes who were kind of born with a sixth sense in the modalities. Took a while for the, especially Western society, to catch up think we're fully entrenched and still trying to do so, and we're quite tired in our efforts. So, after 1976, compared to the 47 years in 1900, and an additional 29 years after that, most of today's children and grandchildren will have most of all of their grandparents surviving, or a higher rate of doing so, for the aforementioned reasons to be part of their lives (laughs) as they grow as young adolescents and into young adulthood themselves and so on and so forth. So many will have surviving grandparents well into their adult years. That's what we're all hoping for. Me as the grandparent and hopefully my granddaughter looks at it the same as me as her grandfather. So like at age 30 to arbitrarily pick one, she's halfway there. 75% of people will have at least one surviving grandparent in the percentile. Since 1900, the percentage of Americans that are and or were 65 years or older during those 76 years span as they became, more than tripled, 4.1% in 1900 itself to 12.7% in 1999. In 1900, there were about 3.1 million people that were 65 years or older at that turn of that century. In 1999, that number in and of itself, if you ready, had risen to 34.5 million. So in that 100-year span, obviously through attrition, it went from 3.1 million to 34.5 million. Today, over 13% of the United States population is 65 years or older. Baby boomers and all of that catching up and time marching forward, blah, 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 blah. But by, the year 2030 and when we look at it now some of us when we say just seven years away (laughs) but it is indeed just seven years away whether we're all blessed to be here when it happens or not in and of itself unless we do something with calendars and different ways of measuring years and all that kind of crazy stuff it's seven years away. One in every five Americans at that time will be over 65. You know, the generation behind me, and you know I forget everything. You know who you are. <laughs> I just know that we're old and senior citizens. And I do know them all. I tease a little bit. But that'll be totaling in excess of 70 million for the first time in history as that becomes over the next seven years. And anything that might happen, progressing and moving forward. So, there'll be more people of grandparent age than the children and the youth that they will be grandparents of. That's for a lot of other peripheral reasons as well, ladies and gentlemen, look up Kinkamina. These older adults can have a tremendous impact on society by choosing to be active themselves as grandparents, somehow staying active, even in foster grandparents, somewhere my gra- uh, my grandmother, my mother who was a foster grandparent and something that she was superlative at, took great pride in, and somewhere I like to think she's he- hearing this. She served that capacity in life as a nursery school teacher and she certainly served it in her way of giving back, which she most assuredly did as a foster grandparent, as well as another story maybe, through a lot of other reasons that it would have been nice if she maybe saw the likelihood of extending that to her own grandchildren. Family trees, you all have. In the closet, all of that. But today, over 13% of the United States population is 65% more. So, again, by the year 2030, one in every five Americans will be over 65. In seven short years, it jumps to 70 million people of that age bracket. There'll be more people of grandparent age. <laughs> and there actually are children and used to be grandparents, too. Please try to conceptualize and visualize that. These older adults can and will have a tremendous impact on society by choosing to be active grandparents and mentor younger generations, be it by blood, be it by foster, be it by whatever. A peer, or respected, I'd like to think... That's an element of society that's going to be prevalent, that we will and do respect our elders. Sometimes a query. The older population itself, of course, is getting older, as we all are. (laughs) Not much you can do about that. Researchers divide older adulthood into three generational groups, quotation fingers, young old, which now it kind of is 65 to 74, the new, whatever they used to say, the new 50s, now or the old 50s, the new 70s, however, you guys know. You know, I say everything backwards, but we're not talking about me right now. By the year two, 2030, one in every five Americans again will be over age 65. So the older population itself. Obviously, it continues to get older, so does the younger population oxymoron as being human being. But the percentiles of them becoming the prevalent element of uh, society is overwhelming. So the older uh, population itself is getting older, and research is now broken into these three generational groups because of increasing health, which we need a lot of improvement on. But the new, old, you know, how that goes, you are young-old, in quotations, between 65 and 74, for the most part. Then you're old-old, in quotation marks, between 75 and 84, and for the most part, you are. Not every single instance. And then the oldest old, for obvious reasons, 85 plus, I mean, you're old then, but you could still be a healthy old. Quick sidebar, good Lord willing, in less than three weeks, my mother-in-law will turn the century mark. and I have no control or say in that matter. I think she's going to make it flying cold, but just a case in point. <sighs> so, in anyway, in 1999, the 65 to 74 age group is 18.2 million, was eight times larger than that of 1900. But the 75 to 84 year old group of 12 point million was 16 times larger. Then the 85, per, uh, you know, age group, which was 4.2 million, that was 32, uh, sorry, 34 times larger. So quickly to keep this segment small and shorter and in the time frame, we'll expand upon this more and more moving forward. Quick thought here, that's so comparable to compound leveraging as it applies to the business application that we talk about, because that's exactly what you're doing. Only in one instance you compounding the leverage of humanity and the other you're compounding the leverage of the efforts of humanity as it pertains to income and all of that kind of stuff. So real quick, let's finish this real quick as much as I can and we'll continue tomorrow as well. So about a third of the adult United States population are indeed grandparents. And more than 70% of middle-aged and older people will become grandparents in the next seven years and a considerable number of grandparents will live long enough to become great-grandparents, and some will even become great-great-grandparents with much more prevalence than, you know, years past. And these are about 70 million grandparents in the United States today, and each month 75,000 Americans, 45 to 69-year-olds, join the club you know as their new birthday makes them that new generational bracket from one you know millennial to whatever to being old timers being fossil fuel if you will like us yeah you comedians the average age of becoming a grandparent again is 50 years mean average for women and it's a couple of years older for men in my case, I believe I was 53, trying to do the, the math quickly when I used to be able to do so. I think I was 53, soon to turn 24, uh, 24, we'll think. 54, and or I had uh, just turned 24. Uh, sorry, I want to flash back in time, 54. I think that's the case. I was 54, and she was born in between as I was approaching 55, if you will. But most grandparents have multiple five to six. On an average, grandchildren. That won't be the case in my case. It'll definitely be posthumous if that does happen for a number of reasons. I came along so late in my own parents' life that, you know, most of my grandparents and aunts and so forth were extremely elderly because I came along so late. They were already there. So, because of divorce and remarriage, many children have six to eight adults in their grandparent role now, extended step-grandparents and, you know, nannies and nannas, whatever. All good, all good, all good, all good, all good. But it is the element of society now. So because of divorce, remarriage, many children do have six to eight, again, whatever you guys and gals call each other, nanny, you, you know, papa, and so on and so forth. So because of divorce and remarriage, again, many children have that many, as we speak. So between 20% and 25% of parents, uh, grandparents, I should say, will be step-grandparents, either through one of those scenarios or, you know, you guys know how to do the math. That, you know, intermarriage or... And that has nothing to do with anything other than just extending the family tree. It doesn't matter what race or whatever. It has nothing to do with that. But the transition to parenthood, is a stressful period even for competent couples with uncomplicated pregnancies and lo and behold any issues of course have complicated pregnancies which obviously extend everything the stress the anxiety the money the vicious cycle so parents are a bridge between the two generations their children and their parents if you will to the grandparents they are the bridge they are and they can set the grandparent, the tone for grandparent grandchild relations over the entire life course of, and by how they performed their early function as gatekeeper to grandparents and as regulator of appropriate grandparent role and all of that. I was blessed that I was able to pretty much raise my granddaughter with the help of my wife while her parents worked. That uh, pretty much right out of the womb, with no kid in, for almost the first decade of her her life, pretty much nine years, And then, of course, always being an influence and a presence in her life, teenager or otherwise. And we're good. We're good. We're good. We have a really good relationship. My grandchildren also model the behavior of their parents towards grandparents. They maintain the same close and or distant relationship if you have your own issue with your mom, pop, stepmom, whatever the lineage and demographics and Hatfields and McCoys and all that kind of crazy stuff that exists in every single family tree. Yes, it does, yes, it does, yes, it does to some degree. and However, lunacy gets in the way and all that kind of stuff. But even as adults and grandchildren tend to interact with grandparents in the context of wider family activities often involving the parents, greater closeness and contact between parents and grandparents equals more closeness and contact between grandchildren and grandparents. It's a tough void, especially after the last three years. In some cases, parents denied grandparents access Not even remotely prevalent in my life, but that is prevalent in some out there. You know that. Probably many of you are experiencing that. All right. This is such a deep subject. We will continue it. I'm trying to synopsize it here. You know, intergenerational bonds need to be traditional or biological. Older adults and young people can often validate and help each other. Very much so, intergenerational mentoring can make a significant difference in a child's life and in the older senior citizen's person's life to stay young, vibrant, and understand the generation gap. The involvement of a reliable, caring adult helps children develop life skills and build self-esteem and confidence. And one recent study showed that when a child is mentored by an adult, They are 46% less likely to begin using illegal drugs, 27% less likely to begin using alcohol, 52% less likely to skip school. Of course, every variable has changed over the last three years because the schematics just got blown up, right? So even before the age of five years, still pretty gospel where i went to school but we won't get on that platform but research shows children may have already internalized ideas that lead to ageism you know age prejudice stereotypes all the stuff that's whatever in the jargon today and all that i'm not going to go there but what they hear at home and see at home more importantly also leaves lasting impression in every sense of the word. Children need to learn about aging and have positive role models in their life. In one study, 62% of children said they learned about older people from their grandparents. Other research has shown that children who know an older person well, like a grandparent, Tend to portray older people in more positive ways. Wouldn't that be an awesome gift to leave to? Okay, welcome back real quickly. I extended the previous uh, part of the segment a little bit longer than I had anticipated, so I'm gonna abbreviate it here to keep it under 30. Real quickly, thanks for joining us. Thanks for continuing joining us. Thanks for your consideration and extending the goodwill ambassadorship of the many intuitive groups in the multi-categories that we are enhancing, reinforcing, and banding together to change mindsets now and for the future. We continue to do so. Everybody at this junction knows somebody in pain, agony, discomfort, animals, plants, the planet, all of us together. Continuing the communal support where applicable, please do check out my business shows through Invite where applicable. Your nurturing audiences, those coming on board, helping to share the marketing for the remuneration possibilities in both instances. Join us there, we're there daily. We continue to grow exponentially with your help. Our CART program, these many vendors that have dealt with for many years, the new invigorating, guests that i have been able to welcome in the entourage just this calendar year alone it's looking good to use this forum the way i want to we're self-sustaining i want to keep it that way we appreciate your efforts we'll see you again tomorrow we'll say bye-bye for now and may god bless make it a peaceful safe restful and safe day bye-bye everyone